And uh, thank you so much for coming tonight. And I pray that you are blessed and that we can all um, gather some tools that we can use um, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help build God's kingdom. And I'm going to take this off. Sometimes I forget that it's even on. There we go. Let's pray and ask God to guide us um, during this time. Jesus, we thank you so much that when you called us into your kingdom, you gave us your Holy Spirit to live inside us. We thank you that that Holy Spirit guides us like a personal coach that can inspire us, that can caution us, that can warn us, that can encourage us. God, we ask for that spirit to fill this place tonight. Take what we um, apply our hearts to learning about building your kingdom and make it fruitful, Lord. Make it into something that just makes people stand back and say, wow, I didn't know that was possible. I thank you for the faith of every person that came here tonight. And um, God, just be with us tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you need some paper or something to write with, that's what the pens and the paper are for in the middle. So if you hear something that you'd like to write down, um, quite a while ago, um, there was a teacher that introduced me to the, to the concept of an idea trap. And he held up a piece of paper and he held up a pen. He said, I always have it in my pocket so that if I hear something useful, I'm going to capture it and write it down. Because um, most of the time, what we hear and don't write down probably remember maybe less than 10% of that. So, here's something, need paper, need pens, that's what it's there for. Why farmers and fishers? Jesus took some of these things that people were familiar with and are still familiar with today to introduce us how to make disciples. So in Mark 4, verse 26, he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, and whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. So if we're thinking about um, this scripture that we just read, what's our job? You can call it out. Scatter the seed on the ground. That's the big job we got. What's God's job? He's going to make the seed grow. The results are up to God, and that's what I want you to remember about all of this. We're going to have some tools, um, but people even rejected Jesus in the flesh. So all we're called to do is to scatter seed everywhere. There are things that we can do to make farming successful. We can make sure that the soil conditions are right. We can take care of the temperature. We can take care of moisture. We can take care of nutrients. But it's still God that makes it grow. We can water, but not too much. We can help adjust sunlight, possibly fertilize. If you're growing tomatoes, it takes about two months after you plant that little seed before you can see flowers. About a month after that, little green tomatoes. And a few weeks after that, maybe a ripe tomato, if you're lucky and the squirrels don't get to it first. But it does take time. It takes patience. And it takes practice. Making disciples is usually not fast food, one-stop shopping. There are things we do and there are things that God does. 
So the tools I'm introducing are not the only ways. They're not magic formulas. They're a place to start under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, especially if we aren't fishing or farming right now. When I was taking care of my mom, I thought it would be fun to plant some tomatoes next to the house, and I bought a tomato plant the year before, and it had been a long time since I'd grown anything from seed. And I asked my mom, I said, do you think these seeds will grow if we plant them here? Well, sure, she said. It had been so long since I had planted seeds, I'd lost confidence that they would actually grow. So let's take God at his word, and let's get the farming. The first very important tool that I want to introduce to you is abiding. John 15, 5, write that verse down. If you don't remember another verse from this whole time, write down John 15, verse 5. It says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. For me, this abiding looks like reading books of the Bible, start to finish. It'll be five to ten minutes every morning. I ask God to teach me. I read until I have some important ideas I want to remember. It might just be one verse. It might be a whole chapter. I make myself write something I'm learning down in a notebook. Most of the time, my natural self does not want to do that. I have to make myself do that. I write how God might be leading me to put the verse into practice, and sometimes I write short prayers. This is separate from my daily work. This is something I started doing at the beginning of my walk with Jesus through my years of teaching in the public schools, and it's how God fills me with his spirit to guide me throughout the day. Uh, Ephesians tells us that we can be filled with the Spirit. It commands us to be filled. It's a continuing sort of thing. And we can also quench the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things that fills us with the Holy Spirit. All of these tools, without the guidance, without the power of the Holy Spirit, are useless. If you don't do something like this, I really recommend that you give it a 30-day try. I've had people tell me I'm not a journaler. I'm not asking anybody to be a journaler. There is something powerful that happens when we use our hands to hold a pencil and write something down. And there, there's even very good research that says even typing is very different from the actual mechanical use of putting a writing instrument in your hand and using it to articulate things that you're learning. Some of you may have had the experience of writing down a grocery list, getting to the grocery store, you forgot the list. But you remember almost everything on the list because you wrote it down. There are many other ways to abide than what I just told you. Um, in the table, the, the young adult group that we're doing on Thursday nights, I asked them to do a discussion at a time when I couldn't be there um, to define what they took abiding to mean. And they made a list of 12 different things. Um, you might want to jot some of these down. Maybe some of you already know all of these. Time in God's word, prayer, music, could be music with words, without words. If it's with words, I would suggest Christian music. Um, journaling, community groups, podcasts, praying with others, scripture memory, so not just reading scripture, but taking it and planting it deep in our heart, repentance and forgiveness, 
Obedience to God's word. Oh, obedience builds obedience. The more we obey, the more the spirit can speak to our hearts and minds. Accountability, having somebody that you're sharing the deep things of God with and, uh, and fasting is also another way to abide. When I asked the group what they would introduce to a new believer, you probably wouldn't give them this list of 12 things, but they said, we'd introduce them, the non-negotiables are time in scripture and time in prayer. And to just ask God to lead that time. Let me give you an illustration of how abiding affects or can affect our witness. 4 p.m., sitting in my kitchen. Question comes to mind. Should I watch YouTube videos or mow the lawn? And I can't remember exactly what it was, but in that instance, something that I had read in my quiet time made it very clear. I should go out and mow the lawn. So I get up, I go out, I open my garage, I walk into my driveway, and at that very moment, there's a young man walking down the sidewalk, and he calls out my name. Very unusual. My long-distance eyesight isn't all that great. I couldn't really, I, didn't, I had no idea who was speaking to me. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, how's it going? Get a little closer. It's the 20-year-old son of my neighbor. And I've been reaching out to this neighbor for over 20 years um, and not much movement of the gospel. This kid has mowed my lawn a couple of times when I've been out of town, um, but no conversations more than that. Um, we start talking and he asked me, he's like, so do you, do you ever go to church? Bing, my spiritual radar, you know, is like on point. And I was like, whoa, he brought that up. God might be doing something here. Let's see what kind of tools I got. Let's see, let's see where this goes. Um, God opens the door for me to share my testimony with him. And after I share my testimony with him, I invite him to start reading the book of Luke with me. And a week later, sitting in my driveway, he puts his trust in Jesus. Does the Holy Spirit still work like it did for Peter in the story we read this morning? You bet it does. We just have to be intentional to be filled and to listen to the Holy Spirit and welcome his presence in our life. This miracle of this young man putting his faith in Jesus that could not only change his life but the trajectory of the generations that follow him, it started with my time abiding with God. So um, some people have said that they don't like reading the Bible every day because it feels like they're trying to earn God's love and just doing it out of obligation, too legalistic. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Is it legalistic to eat food every day? No, it's how the body was designed to work. If you've thought that somehow spending time with your creator and power source is legalistic, where do you think that thought's coming from? It's probably coming from your enemy, Satan, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It will take some, it will take some perseverance. It won't be easy. Sometimes, for me, spending time in God's word every day is the biggest battle that I fight. I want to jump into my to-do list. I want to I want to feel nervous. I want to check my email. I want to start responding to email. I want to, I want to go out and mow the lawn. <laughs> Sometimes I want to do anything but sit down. But God has shown me so much through that time that uh, I'm getting better at disciplining myself 
to sit down and not just to discipline myself, but to treasure it and say, you know what? You have God's word right here. You have a gift. Spend time and, uh, and it works. So um, first tool, abiding. Next tool, evangelistic prayer. Um, and did we, have we had anybody join by Zoom yet? Just curious. Whoa, welcome Zoomers. You guys rock, 22. <laughs> Praise God. Um, super. Uh, evangelistic prayer. Ask God to bring people to mind. Family, friends, neighbors who don't know Jesus. Um, Ying Kai introduced this to me. He showed me so many examples in scripture where where Jesus uses one person to win other people in their family. And I don't know if your family's like mine, but most of my extended family do not trust Jesus. And I've reached out to every single one of them multiple times, and some of them are very hard soil, and I still haven't given up. And I'll share more later about how God's working with one of them right now. But, um, but family members, sometimes that's the highest risk, but God won you to Christ to at least give it a shot to sow seed there. So family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, um, I want you to take time right now to write three groups of five names. First group of five, second group of five, third group of five. Don't fall into the trap, because the trap is to think about who do I want to put on this list? Who's most likely to start to receive Jesus? Or who's closest? Don't, don't play that game. Remember the crazy farmer? He puts seed on the rocks. He puts seed on the hard path. He puts seed on the soil. So I'm going to be quiet. I want everybody, Zoomers, you too, um, we're going to make a list, three, three lists, five people, five people, five people. You get about one and a half minutes. Go. Now, I'm going to introduce you to what Ying Kai taught me about praying for these people. Because I've done different things, and I think God is going to honor any of it, but, but I really liked his suggestions. He said, as you pray for this first five, these are the, those are the ones you're going to start with, ask God to show you how he wants to be introduced. More than just mentioning their name, so ask God how he wants to be introduced. Tell God about their life situation. Things that they may be struggling with or things that, you know, what their job is, where they live. Of course God knows all these things. But just bring this person in all of their different contexts before the Father. Tell God why you're concerned about them. Maybe how, how and where you see brokenness in their life. Ask the Holy Spirit to soften their heart. Pray for your heart to be attentive to God's Spirit, to give you opportunity and wisdom and love for this person. I keep on mentioning Ying Kai. This is his book, Training for Trainers. I'm not selling this book, but if you want to read about the largest church planning movement in the history of the world, check out Ying Kai's work. Um, he's the guy that was disappointed that he could only win 200 people a year 
to Jesus when he was serving as a, as a hospital chaplain in Hong Kong. And he was serving with IMB, the largest mission sending agency in the world. That's International Baptist Mission. And they documented all of his work. So he's not just pulling 200 out of the air. He could take you and introduce you to each one of those 200 people. He could take you to the churches that he planted. Yet what God allowed him to do subsequently um, to, uh, to the work that he describes in here probably reached well over a million people. And so if you want to talk about taking the unimaginable, when I read this stuff, wow, um, it, is, it is possible. So um, this is straight from, straight from Ying Kai. Bless, bless you, Brother Ying, if you happen to hear this. <laughs> We're Facebook friends. Love that guy. Um, so, uh, um, so yeah, evangelistic prayer. That's another tool. Next tool, um, listening. I'm going to read from Mark 10, verse 51. It's a story about a blind man named Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the road, and he hears that Jesus is coming by, and he just starts yelling. He's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the people around him are like, shut up. You're just obnoxious. Be quiet. He doesn't want to do, have anything to do with you. And he just starts yelling even more. He doesn't care. He's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he gets closer, Jesus said, hey, come over here, Bartimaeus. And the people were like, oh, hey, he's calling you. Get over there. And, uh, and so Bartimaeus comes up to him. And the first thing that Jesus does is he asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that just like Jesus? I mean, he loves the man by listening to him. And asking, what, what's, what's your need? Let me, let me hear from you. Don't let me just assume what your need is. There was a prominent evangelist, I can't remember who it was. He, he was asked how he'd spend one hour with an unbeliever if he only had one hour. He said, I spend 55 minutes listening and five minutes speaking. Many times as we listen to people's lives, we can hear the places that need the healing of the gospel the most. And we can speak Jesus' love into those places. Or maybe God will bring a parable to mind that addresses something that they're dealing with. Maybe they have anxiety and, and, and we can tell them about Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28 where Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that may be the first time they've ever heard God's word. And God's word is powerful all by itself. Sometimes people will express a need, a concern about a job or something, and you can offer and say, can I pray for you about that? The God of the universe cares about your circumstance. And can, can, can you just allow me to pray for you and ask for God to guide you? and what the solution to your problem or your difficulty is. It could be an aspect of physical healing. How many times did Jesus use prayer to meet the physical need to also demonstrate his ability to meet the spiritual need? Listening can give us open doors into people's lives. Um, I wanted to say something, about, something else about listening, and it flitted into my mind, and it flitted right out. Anyway... Um, yeah, listening's pretty important. Listen to the difficulties in people's lives. Um, 
and listen to the Holy Spirit, how he wants to direct. Yeah. So, um, we're going to move on to, uh, to another tool. That's the listening tool. Uh, this morning we mentioned a man who was set free from demons of Luke 8. He's also in Mark. And after Jesus had set him free from the, from the demons, he spent, I don't know how much time with Jesus, probably just hanging out, talking about life. And, uh, and he said, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, you can't come with me. You, young man, go home and tell all the people how much God has done for you. And that's where we get the idea of sharing our testimony. It comes right from Jesus' word. Um, it's, it's something special that God has given each one of us. It is um, so special that a lot of times people are open to listening to how God has been at work in your lives. They don't necessarily want to be told how God will work in their lives, but they're willing to listen to, how, to what God has done in your life. So we're going we're gonna to write 90-second testimonies. Ying Kai is so funny. Um, he, said, he said, start with all the bad things in your life. People like to hear the bad things. <laughs> um, sometimes the bad things are not things that we're proud of, but sometimes it can make us more human. And to the person who doesn't know Jesus, it can make him one step realer to know that he really can enter in and fix the brokenness in our lives and make something new and beautiful and powerful. So, let's see. Um, yeah, this is based on things that I learned from Danny and Nell who are serving in Israel. Um, our global workers are just, oh, I remembered what I was going to say about listening and praying. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, one of our global workers serving here in Iowa City, um, I can tell you her name later, I'm not going to say it publicly, but um, things are different in COVID, right? You can't just go meet students on campus. She's been working with internationals and, um, and she just set aside some time to pray and fast and say, God, what am I supposed to be doing during this crazy COVID time? And you know what God led her to do? And if you're a student on the campus, you may have seen her. God led her to take a table and set it up on campus. And she sets it up in different places on different days, depending on how the Holy Spirit's guiding her. And it's, and it's got a beautiful sign that one of her Iranian believer friends designed for her. And it, and it says, um, would you like prayer? So just think, what, what kind of reaction do you think that's getting on the University of Iowa campus? Well, I know because she contacted a group of people and said, here are the people that I'm meeting on a daily basis and they share these precious prayer requests with me and would you be willing to step in and pray with me for them? I've read some of the most amazing stuff from students. Some, some are Christians that just stopped and said, I'm really encouraged that you're here. Would you please pray for this? Some are people that don't know anything about Jesus at all. But they have a deep felt need in their heart that they need God, that God has given every person. Some people are ignoring it, but God's given that need. Every person knows that deep down. And they come up to that table and they share their needs and she prays for them. Isn't that sometimes 25 people in a day, just within a two-hour block? So you got your abiding, you got your steps of faith, you got your listening, you got your praying with people. Just a, just, a, just a neat example of some of these tools I'm talking about. All right, back to, back to writing our testimonies. Uh, thank you, God. I knew it was something important. 
Um, so with a lot of people's testimonies, there will be a before um, a meeting Jesus section, before I knew Jesus, a meeting Jesus section, and a life with Jesus section. Some people accepted Jesus really young and they can't remember a before time. That's okay. Your testimony will probably only have two parts, so I'm also going to address that. But for those that, 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 that accepted Jesus and can remember a time before, um, we're going to start with that part. The way Danny and Nell taught this, it sounds kind of corny to start with. Um, they suggest starting with a stock phrase, and that stock phrase is, there was a time in my life. And when you hear it, you might say, ah, oh, that's kind of corny, I'm not sure if I want to use that. But let me tell you, when I was in, when I was in Israel, um, I got a fair amount of time just to roam around and meet people. And um, we were staying in an Airbnb that was owned by um, the owner of two very prominent bookstores in Jerusalem. And these are very influential people in the community. And the father, who, who um, was the starter of both of those bookstores, uh, he saw us in his son's bookstore across the street. He came over and he said, after you're done here, come over and hang out with us. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and so I uh, went over and started hanging out with him. And I just had some one-on-one -on -one time with him. And, and he said, here, I want to show you something. And he takes me to the back of the store and he shows me a Bible. I'm like, whoa, are you kidding me? This guy's Muslim. He's Palestinian. Um, he's like, I have a Bible here. <laughs> I was like, do you ever read it? He's like, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> it's so precious. And I'm like, I want to share my testimony with this guy. And I, I'm thinking, I can't even remember my own testimony. What's up with that? There's, there's a spiritual battle going on. I was, I was just racking my brain. How do I share Jesus with this guy? And all of a sudden I remembered there was a time in my life. <laughs> And so I was, went with it. I was like, there was a time. And it just flowed from there. So, so no matter how corny it may seem, just go with me on this. And you can change it later. And God can use it in a multiplicity of ways. It's kind of like learning scales. Holiday can tell you about this. As, as fellow violinists, we learn scales. And scales necessarily aren't that much fun to play or to listen to. But all the songs we play are made up of scales just organized in a whole bunch of different ways. <laughs> So once you learn some of the basics, then God can take them and he can do something more interesting or more creative um, as the Holy Spirit leads. So right now in the words, there was a time in my life. And then you want to look for two emotion words that describe what that time might have been like. So for me, my example would be um, there was a time in my life um, when I felt frustrated and confused by how easy it was for me to hurt and argue with my close family members. So a couple of emotion words that, that describe that, um, that time for you. I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna share my whole example. You, you, you write as ideas come to your mind. So I say there was a time in my life where I felt frustrated and confused by how easy it was for me to hurt or argue with my close family members. I always thought that if my sister was more like me, we would get along better. And that's, that's, my, that's my before section. So there was a time in my life, two emotion words to describe, and then maybe a specific example of some piece of brokenness that was in your life. Now that's not the only piece of brokenness. I have probably a hundred different examples that I could put in there. 
And sometimes for different contexts or different places, like, like my basketball version of that, I love to play basketball, and God has shown me that he can use the things that we love to do also as a way to reach people that he wants to love. So, so, I'm, so I'm playing basketball, and I found out that, that one thing that a lot of basketball guys relate to, we come there and, and we really want to base our self-esteem on how well we play that day. And if we play a terrible game, we might walk out of there feeling like dirt. And I experienced that. And I came to the point where, where I felt so low, like I made some mistakes and some guys yelled at me. And I thought, ah, I don't know if I should even be here playing because if I'm going to come out of here feeling like this, uh, it's not going to work. Um, and, uh, and then I realized something. I realized that God loves me the same no matter whether I play well or whether I play like terrible. <laughs> and once I started to take that truth to heart, God set me free to start enjoying the game in a way that I had never enjoyed it before. So this was post-college. I played basketball for my high school team, didn't touch it much in college, just let it go. Started playing pickup ball at the field house. And wow, once I started to, to really take that truth to heart, oh, I found a whole new intensity for my game because I didn't care what people thought. I started taking chances. You know, it was a, just only a few years ago I started shooting the three-pointer for the first time, which is crazy because I'm not a three-point shooter. But why not? All right? I started shooting the three. I had a game where I met six three-pointers in one game. It was amazing. It never happened again, but... It was fun because Jesus just set me free from worrying about what if you miss? Jesus set me free from what if you miss twice? So, yeah, that's the basketball version of the testimony. Anyway, um, so hopefully all of you have had a chance to write the first section. There was a time in my life, a couple of emotion words, example of your brokenness. Now we're going to write the, the, the part um, of meeting Jesus. We want to write a part that tells how you met Jesus. Maybe two to three sentences max. Remember, 90, 90 seconds is really the window we're shooting for. Sometimes you might get a one sentence. My one sentence version is, um, I used to live my life with God on my terms, but God showed me it was much better when I lived my life on his terms. That's the one sentence version, if that's all I get. But we're in the middle part, meeting Jesus. My meeting Jesus part is, a friend challenged me to read the book of John about the life of Jesus. I learned that God loves the world so much that he gave Jesus so that anyone who asked for forgiveness of their sins would be forgiven and find new life in him. That's when I started to follow him. Now there's a whole lot more details. I didn't include the part about, about my mom speaking scripture into my life and me being convicted about some choices that I was making. And there's, a, there's an extended version for an extended time, you know, when, when it really seems like it's the right time to bring it out. But we just want to really hone in on this 90-second version for this time and just at least have that tool in our back pocket. So take a couple of minutes to write how you met Jesus, two to three sentences. Give me a, give me a hand sign when you're finished, and I'll give you some quiet time. Now, this is something that you may continue to revise. 
you may just have a few ideas down and you're like, ah, these are clunky. This is not, you know, writer's block. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult to carve it out, but you can do it. Probably one of the most difficult things in sharing a testimony is, is being concise and, and just really paring it down to the bare essentials. So, so don't, don't be disturbed if it's, if it's difficult. So hopefully, at least you've got some ideas here that we can work with. It's probably not finished ideas. I remember the first time I did this with Danny and Nell, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just write this. Um, just something on the paper. And, um, and the last part, and so if you're somebody who um, accepted Jesus at a really early age and you can't remember before, then, then you're just starting out by... Um, writing how you met Jesus. So like when, when you put your trust. So some, for some people it would be a Sunday school teacher shared with me when I was very young and um, I knew that eternal life was something that I wanted. So I prayed to receive Jesus right then. I don't really remember what my life was like before that. Maybe my parents could tell you, but you get the idea. So you have a meeting Jesus part and then for both people, for everybody, um, we should have a life with Jesus section that tells us some of what God is doing in your life to transform your life, to heal the broken parts of your life. So my example sounds like this. I'm still far from perfect, but Jesus has been teaching me that my problem was not my sister, but my own pride. He's teaching me how to love her just as she is and to value her different personality and to admit Admit that I'm wrong and ask for forgiveness if I fall back into old habits of arguing. And this is just one way that I have new life in Jesus. And, and now my sister and I are, are best friends. And, and it is only a miracle of the gospel of Jesus' work in my life that that was possible. I can remember riding in my car on a trip from Minnesota where she was doing graduate school and we were going back to St. Louis where we were born and I was so mad, I remember having the thought in my mind, I'm never going to talk to her again. <laughs> so I don't, want, I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. Um, and we, we, we had many years of developing bad habits. Um, thankfully, we both know Jesus right now. But, um, but wow, what a, what a miracle of God's transformation in my life. So I'm going to give you another couple of minutes to put some words on the paper uh, about a way or, yeah, yeah, probably just one example of how Jesus is transforming your life. I gave you the, the basketball example too. Um, so a couple different examples. Okay, now I promised that you guys would have to talk to each other. So you had advance warning. Um, you're going to look at these ideas and you're going to say, oh, those are unfinished ideas. I'm not sure I really want to share that with anybody. But trust me. You have to, we have to start somewhere. Ying Kai does this. So if when Ying Kai does this with groups of he cha- trains, we can do it too. He just, he just, usually what Ying Kai does is really funny. He has everybody read it out loud at the same time, like three or four times. If you have extended training time, you can do this. We're kind of cutting it down. So people, you know, it's just a cacophony of sound as people just get used to speaking the words and, and then after they speak the words, then he puts them into small groups and he has them share what they've got down with each other. So for the first time, you're speaking this out. You're hearing yourself, maybe for the first time, maybe some of you have been doing this for a long time. Forgive me for assuming that. But anyway, um, for many people, it may be speaking it out for the first time. And so in small groups, 
we're going to take what you've got, this unformed, this first draft, this rough cut. Everybody's going to say, yeah, okay, it's rough cut. We're going to give grace to everyone. Um, and we're going to practice speaking it to another person. And then we're going to ask, um, are there any things that were confusing to you about what I wrote? And of course, there are going to be some confusing things because you just, you just first drafted it, okay? Um, but that's okay because you're taking a step of faith that God is going to use to win somebody to Jesus. I promise you. His word promises you. So, um, and then you might ask them to also listen for any church words that might not be readily understood by people that have never had any experience with the Bible or church. So we want to watch out for the, for the church words. And um, let's see, anything else? Um, yeah, if they have any suggestions for how you can improve your story, ask for that. And so... Approximately groups of three, Zoom people, we're going to try this. We're going to try to put you guys into groups of three, maybe three people you've never seen before. Introduce yourselves, um, uh, find out at least name and kind of what you're doing in life, and then go ahead and sh each person read their testimony, give some feedback. I'm going to give you about um, a little over 10 minutes for this, and I apologize ahead of time if I cut you off or if somebody doesn't get, but you get the idea of how you can take this and start practicing it with somebody else because I think the gospel is one of the things we just expect it should come naturally to us without any practice. That's just not how we as human beings work. We, we only get good at stuff that we practice. Now the Holy Spirit can guide us. He can give us words that we didn't have before. But I think, I think um, I've seen the results of abiding plus effort equals fruit. So um, uh, at the end of the parable of the farmer, Jesus says, um, so that um, by, uh, so that we can, the, the man who, he, he retains the word, he perseveres in the word, and then produces a fruit. So this is part of the perseverance part and the retaining part. And go. All right. They tell me I'm back on. Zoomers, you rock. <laughs> my, my Zoom operator said that the minute we went to breakout groups, we lost about 10 people. <laughs> so y'all that stayed, you all get the, get the Tough Mudder Award for uh, the Gospel Workshop. You were, you were willing to enter a Zoom room with who you didn't know who before, and hopefully you've, the body of Christ has been strengthened because you met somebody new, you took another step of faith, and um, you desire to build God's kingdom. Not that the people that dropped off don't. They're just a little shy right now. Maybe they'll even tune back in um, when, they, when they know 10 minutes is up. Uh, <laughs> and if so, I welcome them back. God bless you all. So, so, yeah, you're not an expert yet if this is the first time you've done that. But the more you practice, the better you will get. And this is almost exactly what I shared with my neighbor's son that day when we met outside my house, was that, was that version of that testimony with the example of how God healed the broken relationship with my sister. And um, after our first meeting and sharing my testimony, I asked my neighbor's son if he'd like to start reading the book of Luke together. And he said, well, I've never done anything like that before. How does it work? So I explained to him a little bit about how it worked, and he agreed. The next week, we met in my driveway. He'd, he'd read the first five chapters of Luke. That's unusual. Um, I asked what questions he had. He asked me, how do you start? 
was like, I think he's asking me, how do you become a follower of Jesus? So uh, I clarified his question, and yes, indeed, that's what he was asking. How would you answer that question? How do you start? There are a number of different ways that that question could be answered. Um, The first part, I think there are two parts, at least to how we want to answer that question. And the first part is making sure they know the good news of Jesus, a.k.a. the gospel. You can use your own words. It's okay to paraphrase Bible truths as long as you're not making something up that's not in the Bible. One of the first scriptures that pierced my heart, my mom paraphrased from 1 Corinthians, but, but it, was still, it was still true. It was still powerful. If you can memorize it word for word, that's great, but, but don't, don't worry about um, communicating the main truth of a verse in your own words. Your testimony, though, is not the gospel. I used to think that my testimony was the gospel. Oh, I just shared the gospel with somebody. It is an illustration of the gospel, but it is not the explicit gospel. Sometimes it's very easy to use scripture, light bulb moment, um, as a way to state the gospel. For example, I'm going to give you some keystone verses that I've used to explain the gospel in different circumstances. You may have others that are better than this. John 3.16 comes to mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And, and you, you may need to do some unpacking of that. That's okay. But there's the gospel in one sentence. Um, Acts 2, verse 38. That's another great one. The people, Peter's been speaking to the people about how they killed Jesus, the author of life. And they said, they're cut to the heart. They said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Bam! Right there. The gospel. Uh, With my neighbor's son, when he asked me, how do you start? I said, okay, we're going to skip ahead to Luke 15. Because I know that Luke 15 is a story about entering the kingdom of God. And it's about two lost sons. One of the lost sons has, has completely rejected his father, gone off and wasted all his money and wild living, just a complete rejection of the truth. The other, the other son um, thinks he has a relationship with the father, but he's just following rules. He does not love his father at all. And, and as I just, I just walked him through, we just read that story together. I didn't have to memorize anything. I said, let's, let's read this story. It's about how you entered the kingdom of God. And then we talked about the two sons. And... Um, and God just, just guides us right to that. Um, one more is, uh, oh yeah, and, and, and you, you come to the point in that story, what does the son, what does the, lost, the first lost son have to do to be saved? He has to admit he's wrong and accept the father's invitation to the party. The older son, father comes out, begs with him to come in, says, oh, you never even gave me a young goat. Wait a minute. You go back to the beginning of that story, it says the father already gave him half of everything he owned. He divided it between his two sons. Everything we know about this father, do you think this son has asked his father for a goat? I don't think that son has even asked his father for a goat. <laughs> He's just trying to make excuses to be mad at his brother and not come into the party. What does he have to do to enter the party? He has to do the same thing as a younger son. Admit he's wrong and come join the party. <laughs> so... Uh, God has just given us so many examples of how we can use scripture to state the gospel. 
Romans 6.23 is a verse that, that, that I was introduced to very early. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's a rock solid statement of the gospel. Something you might want to look up online, um, there's a thing called the bridge illustration. So the more senses you can connect with a learning experience, the more a person's going to take it in. So this is a combination of Romans 6.23 with a little visual diagram. The organization of the navigators have been, has been really famous for, for helping to promote that. Um, if you Google navigators and one verse evangelism, you will come to the page where they break down how to do this little drawing that shows how people are separated from Jesus and how Jesus um, bridges that divide. So sometimes it's really, really easy to show somebody a picture and then give it to them. Um, so we're, we're going we're gonna to try something that's even a little bit, um, a little bit more risky than sharing your testimony, <laughs> which is, we're going to go into breakout groups, and we're not going to take as long, a little bit shorter. But if somebody asked you the question that my neighbor's son did, they're, they're, you know they're ready. They want to, how do I become a follower of Jesus? How would you state the gospel to them? And, um, and that's just the first part. The second part is, uh, yeah, um, actually leading them to put their, so we're going to put their trust in Jesus. So we're going to divide those two up. So we're going to go to breakout rooms. How would you explain the gospel to someone? And it's just rough draft. You might get confused. It might be longer than you want it to be. But we got to start somewhere. And, um, and God will bless your steps of faith. So prayerfully, hopefully, we don't lose any more people on Zoom. Stick with the Zoomers. It's not that bad. So, um, all right. So go ahead and, and group up. And if somebody asked you, how do I start? Um, how would you state the gospel to them? If you, 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 you can just say a verse you have memorized. That's fine. If you want to put it into your own words, that's fine. Just try something. Oh, man. I can, just, I can overhear little bits of the conversations that are going on here. I can't hear anything of the Zoomers. You guys are safe. Um, and... Uh, but wow, I just hear such cool stuff. Oh my goodness. I hear people using other scriptures like I heard somebody, somebody using the first part of John to, as, a, as a way um, to, uh, to introduce the gospel. I, oh man, this is, this is really cool. This is really powerful. Thank you for going there with me. The first part of that, um, how do I start, is stating the gospel. And then there's a second part, which is actually asking if someone's ready to put their trust in Jesus. How do you know? Well, to give my, my neighbor's son as an example, um, I knew he'd already read the first five books of Luke, and I didn't know what to expect. I, didn't, I even sent him a text ahead of time. I said, if you haven't read anything from Luke, don't worry. We'll just read it together. I didn't know if he was going to even meet with me at all. When I show up and he's already read the first five books, hmm, you know, antenna up. And uh, this, this kid may be spiritually hungry. As we started to discuss it, he was tracking with me. He was agreeing. He wasn't fighting with me. He wasn't debating with me. I thought, oh, let's pay real close attention here. Um, and uh, when we went to Luke 15 and read about entering the kingdom of God, I just asked him if he was ready to accept God's invitation to enter his kingdom, become the child of God. He said he wasn't sure if he knew enough. The Holy Spirit guided me, and I said, well, you'll always be learning more. 
there will never be a time when you think you know enough. So I went back to the gospel and I said, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yep, believe that. Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Yep. Do you want to follow him? Yep. I think that's all we need to know. I was talking with a, with a, with a dear Chinese friend and, uh, and oh, she was so teachable. And I said, um, you might already be a Christian. And I know that might sound hard to believe if somebody hasn't explicitly stated it, but if a person loves the word of God, follows the word of God, obeys the word of God, if it looks like a duck, it sounds like a duck, it might be a duck, okay? God isn't so concerned about you saying specific words. He's concerned about the attitude of our heart and our mind and how that expresses ourselves in our lives. And um, so... I said, would you like to pray with me? And I gave him this option because I, I learned this um, from uh, dear friend Jesse Bradley. I said, you can repeat after me. I can just say words and you can repeat after me or you can use your own words. He said he wanted to use his own words, but he wasn't sure what to say. <laughs> Luckily, the Holy Spirit's given me experience with this situation. So I said, that's okay. I'm going to start praying and then I'll say, now I'm turning it over to, and I use his name, so he will know when it's his turn to pray. And if you can't think of anything to say, just say, thank you, God, amen. Good? He said, yeah, okay. What I knew is that the Holy Spirit would give this young man words. So I started to pray, and I said, God, thank you for this young man. Thank you for what you've taught him about yourself. He doesn't know everything he needs to know, but if he's ready to become your child, just give him the faith to say, Jesus, I want to be your child. I ask your forgiveness for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead, and now, God, I'm just turning it over to you. And he starts to pray. <laughs> And it is so beautiful. And it's short, but it is so sincere. And then he says, thank you, God, amen. <laughs> and he looks up at me with the biggest smile. This young man just put his trust in Jesus sitting in my driveway. My neighbors are driving by waving. <laughs> um, it is incredible how the Holy Spirit will work. Started in that quiet time. If I didn't have the quiet time, I probably would have stayed indoors watching YouTube videos. He probably would have walked by unnoticed. I've never met this young man walking on the street. He lives two houses down from me, but I've never met him walking on the street that day or any other day. That's the only day that it happened. You, know, you, get, blah, 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 you get what I mean. So, um, so that's how it worked with him. Um, I had a, I had a uh, um, sometimes it takes a long time. You know, the tomato plant, Took it a long time, almost, I don't know, four months, five months before I started getting tomatoes on it. I think I planted it in May. I was taking my last tomatoes off in November. That's pretty cool. Um, five years from the first time I met this Chinese friend. He could barely even speak English. Um, all four years of undergrad school, stayed in touch, came over here, did two years of a master's. That's six years. Sorry, that's not five. I've never been great at math goes back and I'm feeling a little guilty. I'm thinking, you know, I went out to see him a couple of times. He was in Chicago. Maybe I should have invested more, but I still had peace that he'd never been receptive to the gospel. I had tried to get him connected with student groups out there. All of a sudden, I get a text from him via Facebook and it says, Paul, I want to know God. Can you help me? So I said, yes, give me your phone number. I'll call you tomorrow. I call him the next day and this young man says, 
you know what, I've been hearing God all my life and I just didn't admit that he was speaking to me because I didn't want to follow him. But now I've heard everything he wants to say to me. Can you help me put my trust in him? And I was like, okay, let's pray. I'll start and you follow me. I was going to do the repeat thing. And so I started to pray. I said, dear Jesus. And he said, dear Jesus. And then he kept on going. <laughs> That's how I knew that the Holy Spirit can give words. And somebody who's ready to put, he just prayed this amazing, beautiful prayer. And all I had to do was just listen. Um, so yeah, the Holy Spirit can take over. Um, so sometimes it can be short time. Sometimes it can be long time. Don't, don't get discouraged. Um, that list of five people, let's say you, you take some steps with those five people. You may need to move on to the next five people because these first five people may not be ready. But at least you put some seeds there that can grow in God's time with God's power. Yeah. The words of the prayer are not important, so don't get stressed about that. If you're asking somebody to repeat after you, thief on the cross, what did he say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Does that sound like the salvation prayer I just prayed? No. Did it work? Yes. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. So, so don't, don't get hung up on, you got to have all the right words. All right. Um, we're going to do breakout groups uh, one more time. No, maybe two more times. And uh, we're going to take turns um, as we might uh, lead somebody in a prayer to receive Jesus. Like, like, what, like if they were going to repeat after you how, would you, how would you state that prayer? And we'll take seven minutes to do that. Ready, set, go. Um, if that's the first time that you've done that, um, wow, God bless you for stepping in and trying something new and just know that God is going to use that. Um, sometimes I marvel at, in the time that I've been walking with Jesus, just how many just phenomenal teachers of these truths that I've had in my life. And um, I've just had so many opportunities to learn. I just feel so blessed Please don't feel like I learned all this in one day or sat down in one workshop and became an expert at this. Um, but it is, it is what Jesus has called us to. And I just thank God for the people that have challenged me with this life and, and modeled this kind of life for me and, um, and welcomed me into it and, and pushed me. And, um, you know, Campus Crusade has, their, has a little tract. There's, you know, you can go online and find a multiplicity of tracts you want to use a little booklet that's fine God can use so many different tools no tool is, is better than another we, we just need faithful people that are going to go out and sow the seed and um, so wanted to add one thing about that um, as you're reaching out to people you got these five people and you're praying for them Always let the Holy Spirit lead. And one, one place that I've found myself sometimes not letting the Holy Spirit lead is me deciding what's going to happen and where it's going to happen. Hold that really loosely because God may be drawing something up and he might not. Let me give you an example. Um, we had some Chinese friends that, that came as a part of our hosting and I really wanted to share the gospel with one of the guys because he had been asking me some really insightful questions and I wanted to be able to show him where my answers were in the Bible. So we were out of the Williamsburg um, Outlet Mall, 
love that activity, um, our Chinese friends do. And, uh, and I had this backpack on my back, and it was summertime, and it was heavy, and it was uncomfortable, but I was going to keep that backpack on because I wanted to be ready. And yet, the longer I wore the backpack, the more uncomfortable I felt. And finally, I just said, darn it. I felt a little disobedient. I just went to my car, and I took off the backpack. Oh, it felt so good. I was like, oh, I feel a little bit better, but uh, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. And so I walked to go find where my Chinese friends are. I walk into the Tommy store. This kid that I've been thinking about, he walks right up to me in the middle of the Tommy store. He said, I can't wait any longer. You got to tell me, how do I follow Jesus? <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the girls, uh, bless her heart, she, the American girls was there um, helping be a host. And she heard it and her eyes just got big as saucers. <laughs> so right there in the middle of the Tommy store, I get to tell this kid how he can follow Jesus. And it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying, you're making this much harder than it needs to be. Will you please just trust me? Put that heavy backpack down. Put your Bible away. You don't need your Bible for this. All you need is me, the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so if you find yourself feeling like, oh, this is my only window. I got to do something, feeling pressure. Um, sometimes, sometimes that's not the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you have the permission to just say, God, if you're not clearly opening the door here, I'm going to trust you for that. Sometimes God may push us through. Um, I have an uncle who for all of his life, every, uh, every time, if I shared with him 100 times, 99 of those times I was met with, with just anger and vitriol. And, um, and, and so, uh, yeah, we try not to give up in those situations, but, but don't spend a lot of time if, if people aren't open. There's too many people who don't know already. Think about the 25 people who stopped at the prayer table. If, if you just stopped at the first one and said, oh, they rejected you. Oh, okay, nobody's interested today. What about the next 24? What if they all said yes? So let's, let's keep that in mind. Don't necessarily force it, but um, uh, don't, don't let rejection keep you stuck somewhere. What do we do when somebody says yes to Jesus? My neighbor has prayed. He put his trust in Jesus. We got one. What do we do with him now? I took him straight to the first chapter of Ephesians. And I recommend this for everybody. And and we're going to look at the verse that says, When you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the first places Satan's going to attack a new believer is, you didn't really do it the right way. Maybe you don't fully believe yet. Things that are logical but not scriptural. When you believed, you were sealed with the unbreakable seal of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing as a deposit your place in heaven. Done. You can't take it back. You can't lose your salvation. You can't lose what you couldn't earn in the first place. It is by grace through faith so that nobody can boast. Even though you tell them and you assure them right now that this is done, don't be surprised when a couple of weeks later they say, I'm not really strong in my faith. I don't really think I'm a Christian yet. Don't let that throw you off your guard. That's classic 101 Satan masquerading as an angel of light, deception kind of type of stuff. Just patiently say, let's go back to Ephesians 1 and read that again. And do that as many times as they need to hear it. Because it is too good to be true. <laughs> but it is true. Um, so, 
So yes, we want to, we want to uh, ground them firmly in the assurance of their salvation. Um, and we have to help them know how to grow. Spiritually speaking, John 3 is fantastic. I never forget the first time I read that we need to be born again. I thought all my life that the Baptists made that up. They didn't make it up. It's in scripture. Jesus said it. And it's a perfect illustration that though we may be in adult bodies, if I put my trust in Christ, spiritually, I'm a baby. And I'm going to go through all the stops and starts. Any, any of you ever watched a baby learn how to walk? Seen the wobbly legs? The chunky little things? Maybe bowed a little bit? And in those first steps, they might take, take a little step and then plop. Yeah, this is more comfortable. But another day, they're going to get up, and they're going to take a couple more steps. They're going to grab the coffee table, and they're going to pull themselves up because this looks like fun. And they're going to take a couple more steps, and we don't say, nah, you're not doing it right. We say, good job, good job. We encourage them. We, 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 it never enters our mind that they're not going to walk. It's a process. Well, duh, it's a baby learning how to walk. Of course, it's a process. But sometimes we forget that with people who are developing spiritually. We expect that, oh, they put their trust in Christ and now they'll walk and talk like a fully mature Christian. But they're not. They won't. This neighbor friend of mine, we've been meeting for, well, since July, um, about every week um, in my driveway. And, um, and several times he's come to me with that question and I've had to go back and, and reassure him of his salvation. So that's number one, give them, give them an assurance of what they've done and then invite them to start reading a book of the Bible with you. They may be able to read some out on their own um, and, and kind of the journey that I went with this, with this neighbor is uh, we, we finished Luke together and as a part of that process, you know, we, we, we have, a, we have a, a way that I organize the time and that's, that's what I want to give you. Um, and it's the same answer for the person who's not ready to trust Jesus yet. Um, invite them to read the Bible together. I've got my, my oldest cousin. I've, I've reached out to all my cousins many times. And so far, only one of them has really said yes to Jesus. But God put it on my heart the other day. Have you ever invited your oldest cousin to read the Bible, because he's posted some things on Facebook that made me think, ah, maybe his heart's like softening. And so I, I, I suggested that to my sister just to see what she thought. And she's like, ah, can't he find somebody there to read the Bible with? And I'm like, oh, no, I think God put it on my heart. So I ignored it for a couple more weeks and I couldn't get away from it. And so, um, and so I, I, I sent him an email and I said, hey, would you, would you like to do this? And, and he called me and we talked a little bit and I had to explain what I meant by read the Bible together because he's got no framework for it. And what I mean is, the way I explained it to him is that we're just going to read a little bit, maybe a chapter, we're going to start on a book, maybe the life of Jesus. Sometimes I recommend Luke. Um, it doesn't go into the long genealogies of Matthew, which are great if you're witnessing to somebody who's Jewish, but, um, and, and Mark's, Mark's a good one too. They're all, they're all good. Anyway, um, we're going to share life, we're going to read a little bit, we're going to ask some questions. What do you learn about God? What do you learn about people? What should we do or obey if we think this is true? And that's all we're going to do. I remember the first time we tried this in China, and I got this from Paul Watson, who was a, who was a speaker at our, at our conference oh, a bunch of years ago. His dad pioneered this in India 
after about a year of fasting and praying, which IMB got, was getting a little impatient with him. They're like, you're not doing anything. And he's like, I need to wait on the Lord. And he's like, no, you're not doing anything. And he finally took, took this that God gave him to the, to the Burj Pori, and it's a well-documented church movement, um, church planting movement that, that literally reached thousands of people. Um, and every single global worker that I've visited or that I talked to is familiar with the principles of this, and it goes by other names. Some people call it Discovery Bible Study. But the common framework is share life. How's it going? What's good in your life? What's something that's difficult? Share life. That sharing life can turn into prayer later on if they're not a believer. Just like the transition is, this sharing that we've been doing with each other, you just do that with God and he cares. So we share life. We read a little bit together. You can, you can draw this up however the per Some people are really hungry. My mom did this with some of her caregivers that came in when I couldn't be with her to care. She'd do five chapters in a day. Go, mom. <laughs> you know, as a consequence, you get, you get through John in four weeks instead of, you know, 12 or 24 weeks. You can, you can do half a chapter. You can just do a few verses. It's okay. Share life, good or bad. Read something. First question, what do you learn about God? Or you can say, what do you learn about Jesus? If you're in the Gospels. Second question, what do you learn about people? Third question, if we believe this is true, how can we obey this? And then sometimes, sometimes we go to the question, um, is there anything that you're learning that you need to share with somebody else? So for instance, this neighbor that I'm meeting, he's told me that um, his stepfather and his mother fight all the time. And he, and he said, I, I, sometimes I just don't know what to do. Um, it's just so discouraging. And so I said, have you ever thought about inviting your mom to read the book of Luke with you? And he's like, oh, that, we might, you could do the same thing that we're doing, but, but just do that with your mom. Why don't you ask her? He did it. He started reading with his mom. He doesn't need to go to seminary before he starts introducing somebody else to the word of God and asking simple inductive questions. What do you learn about God? Well, just scan the chapter and look for the word God and see what it says about him. What do you learn about human beings, people? And that's, that's kind of an indirect way of getting to what do we learn about us? What do we need to do in light of this to follow Jesus, to experience freedom, to experience healing, to taste and see that God is good? It didn't continue with his mom, but he started. And so the, the, the framework is there. He can still pick it up. She can still pick it up. It's, it's, uh, making disciples is rarely a linear point A to point B to point C process. It's usually like A and then detour, detour, up, down, over, over, up, up. Okay, now we're at B. Don't, don't be disturbed by that. And when you get somebody in the presence of God's word, um, I, remember, I remember the first time we tried this um, when we were in China and, and nobody in the group believed that it would work. And I almost didn't believe that it worked, but I had heard that it worked. So I was like, we have to try this. I can remember as we're walking, walking to the group where, where we we're gonna meet students in small groups, um, 
just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And, uh, and after we finished, I can remember what one of the guys said. He's like, this is so easy. We don't do anything. We just ask questions. They do all the work. It is, it is, it is, a, it is a marvelous tool that God's given us. And so um, remember what God says about his word from Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth and it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's the power of God all by itself. The sword of the spirit, the only offensive weapon that we get in this spiritual battle described in Ephesians 6. So um, discovery study can be powerful. I, I, I had the privilege of going through the book of John with one of our um, Sudanese brothers. And when I got to the end of the book, um, I said, so what did you think of the book? And he said, I think it's the perfect book for beginners. He said, we need to find a way to let more people know about this. Um, if you think of this man, I'm not going to give you his name, but would you pray for him and his family? Because as I called him a week ago, uh, not only had his brother died, um, and his son has been struggling with um, some different um, mental illness, his house just burned for the second time. His brother's under some, some attack. Would you just please pray for him? but God is, God is stronger. God is a refuge. All of his family is safe. Nobody was hurt. Um, these things can be replaced. Um, but yeah, please pray for him. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do just a, just a, short, a short little um, discovery study. And um, I'm not going to break you out into... Yes, I am. <laughs> we are going to use this breakout. You, the Zoomers that have stayed with us, God bless you. We are going to use this all that we can. So we're going to do a short discovery scripture. I'm going to read aloud the scripture, and then you're just going to answer the three questions in your, in your little group. What does it teach about God? What does it teach about people? What should I do or obey? And, and everybody in your group might not get a chance to speak. That's okay. I just want to get, give you a feel for what the Holy Spirit can do when I get out of the way with my preconceived notions of what somebody needs to learn from scripture and I stop just, that's the, that was my old model. Old model of Bible study, person who knows the most, most, speaks the most, tells everybody else what they need to know. It's not an effective way to learn coming from many years in public education. That's, that's passive, the person never making meaning. In fact, the whole branch of science education right now is called inquiry. You learn by teaching kids some basics but then teaching them how to ask questions and explore the questions in an organized fashion. It's how people learn. When we are, are invited to make meaning, especially with the Bible, we're teaching people how to tune their hearts and minds to the Holy Spirit and learning that they can eat from this word and that they can find truths all by themselves. And that's one of the most valuable things that we can do for people. Um, so... I'm going to read a short, short passage of scripture that, that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and then I'm going to let you ask those three questions, because you've already shared a little bit of life. Um, so as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, 
he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And sometimes when we read that scripture, we just read the scripture again, or sometimes we have people retell it, and as you retell it, like when I was reading with my Sudanese friend, we didn't... Sometimes you got to let the three questions go and just follow the lead of the, of, of the person who's learning. He prefers to, we read it, and then he says, read it again. And I read it again, and he's like, can you summarize it? And I summarize it. And then he asks me questions, and, and, and we talk through it that way. Okay, Holy Spirit, that's the way he wants to go through, John? Let's go. It, it, it's, just, it's just details. So anyway, um, I'm going to read it one more time, then take you to breakout groups God, people, obey. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, um, about five minutes in a Zoom group. Give me the thumbs up. We're in. Zoomers, we're back. You're still with us. God bless you. Um, as, you as we do the discovery study, um, there's, there's more uh, to facilitating those groups. If that's, a, if that's a tool that catches your attention and you'd like for me to come work with a small group more and share more experiences specifically related to that or to any of these other tools, I, I really that's really one of my favorite things to do. So um, please don't ever feel like you're imposing on me. Um, to share more experience about that. I remember when I was first thinking, gosh, I got to try discovery study, but it just seems too complicated. And I sat down with one of our global workers, Laura Meller, just right, right in, the, in the cave area there. And I was like, Laura, can you just show me how to do this one more time? Because I knew she'd done it a few times and she showed me again. And, and then it was finally like, oh, okay, I, I, I'm going to try it. And, and so that's, that's how we start. That's how we learn. I want to give you my email. My email is on the website. It's parkviewgw, Parkview Global Workers, um, parkviewgw at gmail.com. Please reach out to me with questions, um, things that were confusing today, stories of faith or success. I would, I, you know, I don't necessarily need to share your name, but I would just love to share with this community um, what God does with your steps of faith to come to this training and to try to implement some of these things under the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I pray that Parkview becomes characterized, our Sunday gathering can be characterized by the fact that we just can't wait to get together with people and share what God's been doing and how he's been adding to our number daily. That just, that just has to become a part of our DNA. 
and and it's not right now. It's 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 like a a, a rare occurrence um, to hear of somebody putting their trust in Jesus. Um, so I don't think it's at the scale that God's designed it to be. Let me close with um, yeah, discovery study. Don't be afraid to keep it simple. If I'm doing it with a group and they and one or two people tell me something that they learned about God, I'm ready to move on to the next question. If, if people leave time and God's word and they learn one thing about God, they learn one thing about people, they leave with one thing to do or obey, let's go. There is no need to become biblical scholars and, and just flesh out every single, you know, ins and out, out of the scripture. So don't let it get too complicated. And, um, and sometimes people will come up with questions don't be afraid to ask people what they think about the questions because they may have some answers. Um, they're just kind of afraid to, to even test them out. Um, and if they ask questions that aren't relating specifically to the scriptural passage, it's okay to say that's a great question. It doesn't it's not really specifically answered in what we're studying today, so I'd love to talk with you outside of the class about that question. Don't be afraid to, to do that to keep the discussion on target. Close with a few things about fishing. Fishing for fish. I like to fish. It's a hobby of mine. My, my, my dad introduced me to it. My grandfather was a fisherman. Um, and uh, so I want to talk to you for a few seconds about fishing. The biggest myth about fishing is that you have to be patient. How many of you have heard you have to be patient to catch fish? Pretty much probably everybody. A guy got into my car the other day. We were, we were going for a walk. He saw my fishing poles. He's like, ah, oh, you like to fish? I was like, yeah, I like to fish. He's like, I'm just not patient enough to fish. I was like, who told you you have to be patient? Persistent, yes. Patient, no. Let me illustrate this. I learned this from one of my elementary school students, probably the most severe case of ADHD I've ever seen. That's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. This kid did not have his meds. He was off the walls. He loved to fish, though. His parents weren't too involved with him. They never took him fishing. They'd just drop him off at the lake and then pick him up eight hours later. So I took him fishing one Saturday. Oh, my goodness. We were always on the move. Two casts, one spot, moving on. Changing baits, changing presentation. Catching fish like nobody's business. <laughs> All right? Um, the very thing that was, that was a hindrance to him in the classroom was a huge asset. S simple facts about fishing, not all the water's hospitable for the fish to live in. It's got to be the right temperature, got to be right oxygen content, got to have little things for the fish to hide so they don't get eaten by the bigger fish. So only 30% of the water holds 70% of the fish. If you are patient in the place where there's no fish, you're still not going to catch any fish. you get the gospel application? Didn't work. This bait's not working today. Let's try a different bait. This, per, this person's not ready. Let's go over here. Sometimes I've seen fish in the water and you can put the worm right in front of their nose and they're not taking it for love nor money. Forget about that fish. He's not hungry. He, maybe he just ate a steak or something. Go on, move. Fish for another fish. There's another fish in there somewhere that's hungry. We have to do the same thing for the gospel. Um, yeah, change in baits, change in presentation. Not this one, try another place. You begin praying for those first five people. Um, do it with somebody else if you can. Tell somebody who your five people are. Maybe make a friend if you became a friend. 
keep each other accountable for this because God will give us great training and then, and then Satan will come in and try to sweep it away. He'll try, to, he'll try to give you a lot more things that are more important than this. And he'll say, oh, that's not really going to work. You don't need to do that today. But if you do this with a group of people, yeah, God will do some crazy stuff. If you can get this fire started in your community group, just make a time where you guys talk about who are you praying for this week? You know, and when Andy Campbell was here, he did a group called TOAG. They had a thing called Big Blue. It's a great big blue piece of, piece of paper. And they wrote the names of the people that they're praying for on that piece of paper. And they prayed for them every time that group got together. And they talked about how they're reaching out to them and what's going well and what problems they were encountering. And they prayed for each other in that. And they gave each other suggestions. That's how the kingdom builds. Um, Jesus sent people out two by two and it's no accident. Sometimes you'll be the only one. That's okay. God sent Philip to the Ethiopian uh, official, that was one, so it also works, but if you can do it with others, do it with others. None of us will do this perfectly. Um, as we said before, people rejected Jesus in the flesh, so um, you can still do it perfectly and not um, see somebody enter God's kingdom. But if we persist, the parable of the sower says, by, persever by persevering produces a crop. It will happen. By God's grace, we'll be able to share many stories like my neighbor's son one year from now. Let me know how I can continue helping. Let me close our time um, with prayer. Jesus, thank you that by faith, uh, Lord, we have probably over 30 people that joined us for this training between Zoom and here in person. And we thank you for those people, Lord. We ask that you would help us to learn how to use these tools as we abide with you as we pray for people, as we listen to your Holy Spirit, as we take steps of faith to become good at sharing our testimony, to know how to state the gospel, to, to ask somebody when they're ready, if they're ready to, to, to put their trust in Jesus, to lead them in prayer, or to sit down and study the word with them if they're not ready, or to help them grow if they do put their trust. God, just let that be the characterization of what Parkview Church is all about here and all over the world. Do this because you are able. God, your word says, come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come you with no money. Come buy and eat. And it describes, it continues on, that people are going to turn to you, Lord. And when they do, we will go out in joy. We will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before us. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. And instead of the thorn bushes will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Uh, may it be so, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.